We have an exciting partnership to announce before we get into today's Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt has been asked to join Reads Across America Radio, a 24-7 internet radio station where you can listen to veteran stories 24-7. Uh, you can find that on the iHeartRadio app. You can also find it on their website, readsacrossamerica.org. The Scuttlebutt will be featured Friday nights at 9 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. If you don't know anything about Reads Across America, they're an incredible organization, all dedicated to honoring veterans uh, and, and those who uh, gave all in service to our country. Check out the Scuttlebutt on their radio station and all the other programs that they have on their 24-7 radio station, again, on iHeartRadio app or readsacrossamerica.org. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall, Director of Programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club. We're a nonprofit in Western PA whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. You can find out everything there is to know about the Veterans Breakfast Club on our website at www.veteransbreakfastclub.org. Today's episode of The Scuttlebutt focuses in on coffee in the military. We have joining us Don Nemchek, who is a Navy veteran of the Vietnam era. Uh, he talks about what was so important about coffee in the Navy. Uh, we get into a bit of coffee in the history of the military. And then joining us later on in the program is Milo Speranzo. He is the owner of Vault Coffee House here in the Western PA region. Um, he is also a veteran of the Air Force. So we get into uh, his history of service as well as his passions of coffee. But, but we don't stop there with just coffee talk. We actually get into veteran-owned businesses. And there's a lot of good information that we have later on in the episode uh, about being a veteran and opening a business. Uh, was totally by surprise. I think we found a nice rabbit hole and got some great information uh, out there for you, our viewers. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. And it's always nice to hear from you, our audience. Uh, you can email me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at veteransbreakfastclub.org with any thoughts, questions, or comments. Uh, or if you have any ideas for future scuttlebutts, I'm happy to hear them. Uh, thank you so much for supporting the podcast and enjoy the show. Joining me today for a, I would say, a, a, a fairly large conversation given the subject matter is Don Nemchek. Don, you've been a part of the Scuttlebutt a couple times, though I want you to, to introduce yourself. Today we're here to talk about coffee in the military, which I am I love coffee, so I'm excited to hear more about the history of coffee in the military. Don, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, Sean. I'm glad to be here, of course. And for those of you who haven't seen me on the podcast before, uh, I'm a U.S. Navy veteran, 1970-1974. I was a communicator in various communication stations in Southeast Asia, and I served, my last command was the USS Constellation, an attack aircraft carrier, uh, through the last combat air ops, air operations in 1973, and uh, something that we're proud of, the fact that uh, she, USS Constellation was the first carrier in 1965 to fly air ops out, and we were the last carrier in 1973 to wrap up things uh, in the Gulf of Tonkin. Don, we, so we, we've talked about coffee a bit before, about coffee in the military. Now, you, like I said, you wouldn't think that this would be as far-reaching of a conversation as, as it is. Um, but coffee is, is probably your most prized possession in the Navy, it seems. As, as, as you've mentioned, that coffee uh, is probably your highest bartering tool well, in the Navy. Is, yes, it is, Sean. And, you know, coffee is the lifeblood of the Navy. Um, with a reported over 58,000 pounds consumed every day. And just to put that in perspective, the recipe for Navy coffee is one pound of uh, coffee is one gallon of coffee liquid. So uh, it's, it's something that in the Navy, uh, it's the lifeblood of the Navy. Uh, we certainly, uh, 
that's a good cartoon. We certainly uh, use that because you have to remember in the Navy, you're at sea, uh, you're standing long hours uh, on watch, uh, spending a lot of time more awake than you do sleep. And uh, certainly the coffee kept you uh, uh, alert and the buzz was there from the caffeine. So it's, a, it's an old saying that, uh, you know, the Navy is operated on fuel oil. The Navy ships are driven by fuel oil and the sailors are operated by coffee. And I can attest to that as a uh, sailor who had been at sea. And I'll tell you, we just couldn't wait to grab a cup of coffee the first thing in the morning. Well, what I brought up for our listeners on the podcast side is uh, there's a great, I don't even know if this is a far side, but you can imagine far side comic where a gentleman is scooping with like a shovel, a huge <laughs> amount of coffee into the into the coffee maker. And there's a guy there, he says, where did I learn, where did I learn to make coffee? Navy, why? <laughs> so, it, do, I mean, do you have things in the Navy like creamer and, you know, your your flavors and half and half and sugar and all those things? Or does everybody just drink it black? Everybody just drinks it black. And the reason being, of course, I'm, I'm dating myself back to uh, 1973 type of thing. And I'm sure things have changed because actually they had some of the larger ships had actual Starbucks uh, on their ship. Uh, they had the uh, coffee Starbucks brand and the accoutrements that go with it, the creamers and things like that. But back in the day, uh, number one, you don't have a lot of space for those types of things. You don't have the refrigeration. You don't have the uh, the ability to have, have to clean up and such, but uh, it was just black coffee. It was the easiest thing to do. And what's interesting, Sean, even the need for coffee was is so uh, dramatic that being on a carrier, there were sailors that uh, worked on the flight deck, the most dangerous job in the Navy. You got jets flying, you got uh, uh, just a lot of hazards that could be up there. So they're not hand, you know, they have to use their hands. They can't walk around with a coffee mug. A lot of the sailors would get a pinch of ground coffee, put it in between their cheek and gum. And that was their coffee fix for that morning until they got were able to go downstairs to the galley, and uh, get like a chew, like tobacco chew, they put it in. It was like it was like chewing snuff. In would that would that destroy your teeth and gums like tobacco does, or is it just like a nice like pick me up? Well, it, it, it was yes to both. It would destroy, your teeth <laughs> gums, but it was a quick pick me up. And uh, I don't think when you're 19 and 20, or even 18, 19 and 20. You're overly concerned about the impact of things uh, you know, <laughs> on your teeth, later, right? Later in life, you worry about it, but uh, then you do not. But uh, it was just interesting to the point where, you know, Sean, they used to uh, use the nickname for a cup of coffee. Let's go get a cup of Joe. Cup of Joe, what the heck does that mean? Where did that term come from? Well, what happened was there was a secretary of the Navy uh, that his name was Joseph Daniels, and he was a teetotaler. So the Navy back in the early 1900s and such, uh, they had a ration of rum and the officers had wine in their ward rooms where they were served their meals. So when the Secretary of Navy found out about that, learned that there was drunkenness on vessels and he immediately decried an order that there'll be no longer uh, alcohol served on Navy ships and it's just gonna be coffee or tea. Well, no sailors really drink tea back then. so. Uh, they use that not so much as a complimentary term, but more as a derogatory term. Let's go get a cup of Joe instead of uh, something else. So that's how that term originated. And I, I think that was just interesting if people do hear that because, you know, you hear so many uh, different uh, nicknames for coffee and uh, a cup of Joe is something I've commonly heard back in the day. So his uh, being disturbed by the drunkenness and on the boat uh, certainly came up with that term. I wouldn't fashion myself as a coffee snob personally. I, you know, my my wife certainly likes the coffee from Whole Foods. It's you know, 
tasty. Um, when I didn't even drink coffee before I met her and she, now I drink probably two, three cups a day. Um, but you know, I mean, I can tell the difference, I guess, between, oh, this is, this is good tasting coffee, but also, uh, disclaimer, I do like my creamer. Um, I'm a sugar type guy. I like sweet. So I don't go, I don't really go for like black coffee. It's just a little too much for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I also don't usually go for like the giant Eagle. It, for those of you listening outside of Pittsburgh, we have the giant Eagle, which is like our, uh, oh God, how many other places are there? Our Piggly Wiggly. Piggly, it's our Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. Um, it's our grocery stores. So I wouldn't go for like the giant Eagle brand coffee. It probably wouldn't taste good, but also like I wouldn't go for Maxwell house. I've tried it and I'm like, Oh, that just doesn't taste right. Or I can say, Oh yeah, that tastes like it's burnt. Um, what do you go for? You do. You, what do you drink? I'm, I'm old school, Sean, uh, Maxwell house or Folgers. And I'll tell you why, you know, growing up in a, a city in Southwestern Pennsylvania, steel town, my dad was a steel mill worker and he worked shifts and uh, you can just smell and hear that. You can smell the coffee brewing and you can hear it throughout the day. And there's always a coffee pot uh, on the stove. And uh, my dad would either come home from his shift or getting ready to go. He said, ah, come on, sit down, have a cigarette and a cup of coffee with me. And we'll BS about the pirates or something like that. It was, it was something that stayed with me. And I was even a young, young lad. And uh, I was always a coffee drinker, always drank it black. And uh, this, when I transitioned into the service and stuff, it was just natural for me. It was like smoking cigarettes. You know, it was just something that I did before. It was nothing unusual. So uh, those are those are things that we remember back then. But uh, I know that nowadays there's uh, so many coffees out there from the Amazon jungles, roasted by pygmies and all this other <laughs> stuff. I'm not with all that, man. I just need a cup of good black coffee that was fresh and uh, I'm good to go. But, you know, well, what's well, sp that? speaking specifically to like the coffee in the Navy, what was there a brand? Or is it just, you well, know, it's good that you asked that because, you know, the Navy actually used it was coffee was so important. They had their own roasting plants on the east and the west coast during World War Two. Hmm. And during that period from 1942, Sean, to 1948, the Oakland, California plant blended 115 million pounds of coffee, packed them in 50 pound sacks and shipped them out to the Pacific Fleet. So that's how important coffee was. They knew that they had to do their own coffee. And it was a wartime. And back in the day when they had rationing during World War II, they asked people, just limit your coffee to one cup a day so they, the soldiers, the GIs, can have their coffee as well. So that's true. I've seen, I've seen a picture of that where, you know, drink less so they have more. Drink less so they have more. That's the term. You're absolutely right. And I should say through through VBC, we have a connection with Bamboo Bob. They they produce uh, Vietnamese coffee. They send it, ship it out uh, here to us in Pittsburgh. And we get a small, very small kickback from any bag that we sell of Bamboo Bob coffee. But to our listeners, check out Bamboo Bob coffee. Not strictly because you can help support VBC and our mission, um, but it's a good cup of coffee. Would you agree, Don? Would you think, have you tried coffees from around the world? Like Vietnamese coffee tastes different than American coffee and where the beans are grown. I have. And uh, uh, not only uh, coffee from around the world, uh, in addition to that, uh, we were in uh, Paris in 2019, pre-COVID, uh, we're on vacation. And the, the coffee in Paris was everywhere you go, because it's the water and the brand that they use, et cetera. It just didn't ring a bell to me, but I think with the Vietnamese coffee, because the uh, uh, French had such a uh, influence in Vietnam in the you know early late forties, early fifties after World War II, there might be some connection with that because uh, you know French coffee was uh, uh, renowned to be uh, like the French think everything is 
French is good. So uh, uh, there might be some connection with that. But uh, to answer your question, a lot of times it's the water uh, that's being brewed or the method. They always have the French press where they're squeezing the coffee down or they're, mm -hmm. they're not cooking it like I was familiar with having that metal uh, coffee percolator on a gas stove and it was percolating away. And uh, it would brew a strong coffee, which is how we got used to it. But uh, you know, they came up with instant coffee, the Nescafe freeze-dried coffees, and mm -hmm. even the coffee looked like tea bags, where you could it's portable. You could take them in your. Uh, uh, we used to do that when we traveled. I would take the Maxwell House tea bag type coffee and, and keep it with me in case I didn't like what was being uh, offered at the hotels that we were at. I'd just fire up some some water and use one of those. But uh, yes, it's to each his own with the taste, but. Uh, uh, I think coffees around the world are so important, and I think it was important early on when uh, the uh, discoverers like Marco Polo and those guys are going to the Mideast and stuff that uh, Arabic coffee is one of the better coffees in the world, and I think that's where a lot of that came from, because I remember some of the advertisements for like Maxwell House and those others on the old television commercials, we use smooth Arabic coffee and uh, co uh, roasted Colombian coffee that was picked by Juan Valdez on his uh, mule, so uh, it's always there's some marketing to everything, but uh, certainly coffees are a, a tradition around the world and a commodity, of course. And, you know, whenever you get that, uh, particularly during 9-11, I mean, not 9-11, the COVID, uh, you get the COVID when they were saying there should be a coffee shortage because of the supply chain. And I know even myself, man, I ran down to Costco and got two big five pound cans of uh, Folgers or something just to have some on hand. But uh, uh, yeah, coffee is just very important around the world. And I think the tr tradition of it is uh, goes on. Look at the uh, 1950s and such when the beet mix was getting popular. Where did they go? To the coffee house. What did they do with the coffee house? They exchanged information. They read their poetry. They became uh, a different counterculture. So uh, I think coffee plays a role as it, even as it does today. Everybody likes to have that cup of coffee because I would say, hey, come on over. Why don't you have a cup of coffee with me? And sometimes that's a bonding mechanism. Well, I was going to say, because it's a Kind of amazing to me that we've gotten this many scuttlebutts, uh, over a hundred now, without talking about military and or coffee in the military. Mainly because if you look at our logo on your hat, on my shirt, um, mm -hmm. it's a it's a, a mug of steaming coffee. Because you think whenever we sit down at VBC and we share stories, you think about I'm gonna have a cup of coffee and just sit down and tell a story. And and just speaking to your point of just like connection, you know that that's sort of what we've hung our hat on on our logo is let's sit down, have a cup of coffee. Now, I, I, I bring up the logo specifically, not just because it has the coffee on it, but that's a very particular style of mug there, right? Yes. Yes, it is. And I know a lot of us, I like the, the mug, not a, a cup uh, where you put your two fingers in. Uh, so I want a mug that I can grip on and it has to be 10 or 16 ounces. And I use the same one all the time. And if, well, if you remember uh, the old TV series, Gunsmoke, uh, they were always making coffee in the marshal's office. Um, um, Chester was always asking uh, Matt Dillon if he wanted another cup of coffee, and Doc would come in and bum a cup of coffee from them. And it was even when they were out in their campfires, uh, they were out on a range and they had their campfire going. Somebody was making a cup of coffee, and a, a, a range rider would come in and say, Boy, I could smell that coffee. You mind if I come down and sit down and have a cup with you? So I yeah. just think coffee just played such a role in American history and I think history of the world. It was, it was a trading commodity.
going to your point also about like the taste of the coffee like we at vbc we had a uh an mre tasting event uh, a couple years ago during covid we said let's let's all get together on zoom everybody can order their own mre and we can all sit down and open up together and we can all talk about the mre and just eating what is in there and does it taste good as you know as a civilian myself it was yeah, i loved it i did not expect the coffee in the mre to be as good as it was well i think it, this uh the suppliers uh, knew that uh they had to uh come up with something that was going to be accepted by the troops because if you get a negative report uh, particularly with government contracting and uh, you know you get a negative report they may pull that contract from you and that contract's typically lucrative mm -hmm. and uh, just touching base on that you know for uh, veteran-owned businesses uh, that uh, are looking to get in the government contracting arena uh, this is a little bit off topic about coffee but uh, in essence if you're a veteran-owned business and you're looking into doing business with the government and you have to remember the government sets aside specifically 3% of its contracts for veteran-owned businesses, particularly mm -hmm. service-connected disabled-owned businesses. One would say, how do I get my coffee business and provide all the coffee to the uh, naval bases on the East Coast? Well, there's a procurement process. It's, yeah, it's laborious and you have to get through some red tape. But if you're a veteran-owned business and uh, or interested in becoming a veteran-owned business, you can clearly go into the Small Business Administration's website, that would be sba.gov. They have a tutorial, they have a ton of information on how to get certified mm -hmm. as a veteran-owned business. You can self-certify as a veteran-owned business by just putting on your door that I'm a veteran-owned business and come on in. And that's fine. If you're not going to do business with the government, no harm, no foul. But if you want to get into the big arena of government contracting, for example, if you're a window washer and you want to wash all the windows in every federal building in the country, then that contract might be set aside for service-connected disabled veterans. The Small Business Administration can help you with that. There is also another organization that can help you with the certification process called NAVOBA, National Association of Veteran-Owned Businesses. Uh, they are very well-versed. They've been around a long time. There is a process for it, but it's worthwhile because once you get into that government contract in the arena they will actually send you notifications when there is an appropriate uh, contract that's being offered for example all the window washers uh, contracts in the country are being uh, set out on july 1st and here they are and here's how you do your request for your proposals and such like that it is very lucrative uh, you can get jammed up if you're not a veteran on business but you're proclaiming that you are and that's why they do the certification process because there had been right. fraud and abuse like there is with anything uh, in government uh, contracting or, or business itself. But they tried to temper that by doing a certification process. It's not that daunting. It, it, it can get tied up. But if you follow the steps that uh, the uh, Small Business Administration and National Association of, National Association of Veteran-Owned Businesses follow, you're good to go. What's interesting, the uh, NAVOBA, the Veteran-Owned Business Association, even coined a phrase, Sean, and instead of entrepreneur, they call it vetrepreneur. And how important that is, because veterans make good small business owners for a couple of reasons, several of which is we're trained very early on teamwork, improvise, adapt, overcome. That's all the qualities of a small business person right there. So veterans have that opportunity and going into the coffee business and such, you just never know. You can uh, uh, provide services to uh, veteran uh, different military installations and such. And that's where they're going right now. Mostly everything's contracted now. 
into the civilian service. There's no more KP or kitchen duty and things like that in the service. Uh, they, uh, they have food services. And I even mentioned, I think, some of the larger ships back in, uh, recently have some Starbucks on board and, and some others that are starting to contract with them. Now, it'd be interesting. They have Navy personnel working at a Starbucks uh, facility, uh, but uh, it would just be interesting. To, uh, the military personnel didn't want to give up that touch of home. Okay, instead of, uh, uh, you know, just getting the old Navy coffee with that guy shoveling it in with a uh, cigarette ash falling into it and such. Uh, they wanted something more uh, that brings them to the feelings of home. So that's just a little sidelight to the coffee uh, conversation that we're having about touching base with those interested. And just, again, anyone interested in, in some more of that and they can't get what they're looking for on the website, they can contact me. I can leave my contact information, but uh, they can contact me through VBC, of course. And if they have some specific questions, I'd be happy to answer them for them and try to point them in the right direction. Great points, Don. And speaking of veteran business owners, joining us now is Milo Speranzo. Milo, you are a uh, the owner of the Vault Coffee House here in Pittsburgh, um, the Pittsburgh region. Um, we're going to get into more of the coffee talk with you uh, specifically, because I imagine that you're more of a coffee aficionado. You you like a good cup of joe, as we were mentioning earlier. Uh, but Milo, welcome to the Scuttlebutt. Thank you so much for joining us. I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And and it's great to meet you, Sean. And Don, we, we may have passed or crossed paths years ago as I started a, a, a veteran-owned business right after my my time in the service. So I spent, uh, I was 12 years in the Air Force. Uh, we had a, a tour over to Afghanistan where we had a couple hard landings and we came back. They gave us all some, essentially some, they ran us through line of duty determinations and they found some some fractured vertebrae in my neck and a couple other ailments. And they said, You're, we, we can't keep you qualified for, for flying status. And I panicked. I had, you know, my skills weren't necessarily transferable. After that, it, it doesn't transfer to private sector. Um, and then they offered me a really lame, no offense to anybody, but it was a desk job. And uh, I said, all right, I think this is a good transition point for me. Mm -hmm. So I, at that point, I started to, I processed out of the of the Air Force and started a very, very small consulting company. Uh, I was command and control in the Air Force. So I worked a lot with the Intel agencies. And it was right when, you know, unlucky for the United States, but lucky for me at the time, it was right when Edward Snowden and Bradley Manning and and that's those situations were occurring and the IT contractors were under heavy, heavy scrutiny. Um, so I started a, like I said, a very small consulting firm, myself, two other, two other former military uh, command and control officers. And we went into uh, integrators that had classified IT contracts and we helped them secure their, their, their processes. Mm -hmm. And that luckily enough grew very, very quickly. Um, it caught on. We were working for a small company here in Pittsburgh. The company's name was Pepperweed. And uh, they were an HP subsidiary. So we got known by HP. And then HP really sold our, our message for us. They did some great marketing for us. And and uh, companies like Tech Data and Avnet in the electronic distribution space that had IT contracts in the green zone or wherever it was at the time. Mm -hmm reached out. We ended up with about 18 consultants at the end of the day. And we rolled my first veteran-owned company under Pepperweed, and it was acquired by the distributor Avnet at the time. Mm -hmm. So 
I had a really great, uh, great experience with, with Don's team at the, at the small business administration. And, uh, there was a, a lot of, a, a lot of consulting that's available to business, to veteran business owners that they might not necessarily know is there. And I'm pretty lucky, honestly, we had a great, uh, liaison at the nine 11th airlift wing here in Pittsburgh. And they said, no, go call, call Don and team. And, you know, they'll help. So that was, um, that was a very successful first run. Since then, I, I have since uh, worked for Dell Technology, stayed in the IT field, and uh, this is my first foray back into business ownership. Uh, it's been about eight years, and uh, it, it is my outside of foreign affairs, military, you know, U.S. government, uh, coffee, I think is my, mm -hmm. my biggest passion. So it was a no-brainer. I wanted to help my the the town I grew up in. It's an amazing town here on the eastern side of of uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Pitcairn, PA. And there was a bank that's an amazing building that's solid bones. And I said, well, how do I do that? How do I make a coffee shop out of this bank? And it was a no. It was another one that just kind of fell into. But we created the Vault Coffee House. So Vault, like the bank, we left the Vault in there. We got some amazing uh, Instagram opportunities with the old vault. I think it's up on the screen now. And uh, and then also we have some amazing coffee. So this is my second run at veteran business ownership. I am just so overwhelmed by the support of the veteran community so far. We've been open nine weeks and we've had vets come in from literally, I know this is sounds kind of uh, maybe unbelievable, but you know, a couple hundred miles away to have mm -hmm. coffee in the shop. So, you know, we have folks from, from Erie, PA, from Ohio, from West Virginia, from the Virginia. And, and they saw our, our story on, on local news or, or via, you know, print. And they made a purposed trip in to Western PA. And part of their trip was to, to come to the coffee shop. Then they went to Pittsburgh and explored and then stopped at the coffee shop on their way out. So, the support has been absolutely amazing and and I can't be more grateful for what we've seen, you know, already. Well, we're certainly coffee. happy to highlight Vault Coffee House here on the Scuttlebutt, and I'm hoping that, you know, we can help spread the word of the good word of, of what you guys are doing. Um, I have to ask, though, uh, there's a couple. I have a bunch of questions for you. Shoot. First one specifically is that Don made mention of how important coffee was in the Navy. Was it <laughs> yeah. as important, do you think, in the Air Force? Oh, oh God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, um, you know, we, we saw the, Don mentioned, you know, a little bit of a barter system that they had in the Navy. The Air Force had that as well. Um, however, you know, we have, uh, for everybody listening, you're probably very familiar with all the acronyms, but, you know, our AFSC or MOS, my side of the house and command and control, we used coffee as an excuse all the time. And it was the best excuse. You know, we would, uh, we would use it to, to go to the break room or wherever the coffee was located. And essentially, you know, we'd time it appropriately. So the folks that we knew in logistics or, uh, aircraft maintenance or the, uh, the air crews, we knew they'd be there at the same time. And we wanted an excuse just to catch up, see what was going on out in the field. What did you see that night before? And then what are your parents saying? You know, what do you, you know, what, what, what's, uh, what are, what are your, what's your family saying about what's going on at home? And, you know, you keep in touch. So we used coffee very, very much as 
as an excuse to connect with, you know, the folks that were deployed with us. When we were home, uh, you know, at the at whatever base we were at, not deployed, we used it as an excuse to talk about non-deployment things, the state of the, you know, the, the country, the, you know, whatever, random, anything we wanted to talk about, cars, but but we used, it was definitely a communications highway. Coffee was like the communication mm -hmm. highway inside of the Air Force that I knew. It was always that excuse to go and connect with with folks you were deployed or stationed with. And and we had a lot of excuses, a lot of excuses. Hey, you got to go 15. We're going to go, you know, so it, it, it's amazing. And I think, uh, you know, I think coffee has the, the longstanding, even in the private sector, you know, I see that in the coffee shop now. It's very much an excuse. It's an excuse for people that have their in-laws in and their mother-in-law might just maybe be putting them over the edge. And that's an excuse. Hey, I got to go get a coffee. And we see them come into the coffee shop. Uh, you know, it, it's an excuse to come down and, and be with other people. You know, the coffee shop always has 10 people, you know, it's just, if you just want to be around somebody. So in the air force, we saw it as a great excuse. And in the private sector, I'm seeing the same thing. It's, it's really one of the best excuses you can have to, to go and do something. We make that, you know, we made the correlation here earlier about the, the, the VBC logo and the coffee mug and that we've had that yeah. logo forever and that that the mug here is was specifically chosen as sort of a navy mug of you know but it's also that idea of getting together sitting down sharing having a conversation sharing a story it's sort of like what we hang our hat on here at bbc um i personally i love like coffee and a chess match or i would also yes. say like a whiskey and a chess match but i enjoy coffee sitting down you know having my cup of coffee in the morning playing a game of chess just sort of like gets your mind working it gets you moving you know it tastes good um Milo, you, you, you had a history in veteran-owned business, but you said your passion now is coffee. How did that sort of come to be? And and when you started thinking, I'm going to create a coffee house, like how did that, where was the genesis of that? Yeah, yeah, pretty, it's, it's I'd say this is my maybe most interesting um, Air Force story. I absolutely hated coffee and I thought it was bitter. And, you know, I was 18 at the time. And all the senior master sergeants were just, I mean, they'd wake up in the middle of the night in the tent and just pour a cup of coffee and go back to sleep. I mean, it just baffled my mind why coffee was such, uh, <laughs> it was so integrated into the fabric of not the military, but these human beings. And uh, I was lucky enough early on, well before 9-11, 95, 96, uh, to our main focus was South America. So we did a lot of, you know, drug interdiction or Intel flights down there in South America. We got to spend a lot of time in Colombia and near a couple of our stops in Colombia, near Medellin and Cartagena, they, uh, we had the opportunity to go to these little houses that were, you know, shops slash houses. And uh, we would go over there for coffee in the mornings. And of course, I'm going to go over, I'm going to follow the the senior NCOs, wherever they go, because I don't want to screw anything up. So, you know, I go over with them and I don't know if it was the actual taste of the coffee was so amazing, or if it was just the romanticness of it, if that's a word, the, you know, it was, you walked into a little house that smelled like coffee on the stove. They're literally, you know, they're, they, they pick the beans, they roasted them there. They're grinding them. They're serving you this coffee. I, from then on, it was, it became really a, a bit of a compulsion. So I fell in love with coffee in Colombia after not being a big Colombia or a big uh, 
Poppy fan. And, uh, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. Mm -hmm. So I was 19 or 20 at the time, by the time I was 23 or 24, any deployment we had in South America, if it was Honduras and, and we didn't have really like the Google and we certainly didn't have camera phones or anything like that back in the, the late nineties, or they were just coming around. So it was, you had, it was some pretty labor intensive calling people and saying, Hey, when you were in Honduras, was there good coffee? I'm flying into Soda Con. What do you got? And uh, so I would do, I would do some, uh, uh, some Intel prior to, prior to deployments to figure out where the best coffee was. And I was lucky enough to go to some really good coffee hotspots, um, mm. in South America, Latin America, Central America, prior to nine 11, where our, you know, our area responsibility was shifted from South America to, to the middle East. So I feel like I got the Air Force paid for an amazing, you know, master's level education in coffee in my <laughs> early years. And that that has just continued. Don? Milo, just uh, curious, um, how's business for you? That's what I always used to ask my uh, entrepreneur. Yeah. How's business and uh, how can you improve it uh, going going forward? Oh, so there's that. So... I came into the, I, I, you know, I came into the world of coffee, loving and, and having a pretty wide knowledge base of the actual product. I've learned a lot. So I, you know, I, I knew who in town, in my opinion, roasted the best coffee and who I was going to use as a vendor. Um, I also knew the township that I was in. I know the mayor very well. And the, you know, the councilman, that was, that was the easy part for me. There's a, a, there is a massive list of things I could do better because frankly, I just don't know how to be a coffee shop owner. It's very different from a, you know, from running a professional services consulting, you know, niche company. It is very much, you know, food service and inspections and retail and scheduling and inventory management. And it's just, and I am not good at any of that in the first nine weeks. I see those are my biggest areas of uh, my biggest opportunities to put it nicely. Mm -hmm. That being said, business has buoyed all of my mistakes. So, you know, we came out and we were lucky enough. Uh, we were featured at KD on KDKA and WTAE early on. And, um, and the fact that it was a, a veteran owned business was, was one thing. It was one to help the community that I grew up in that raised a lot of us that came from, you know, maybe one parent homes or raised by our grandparents. So Pitt Karen's an amazing place and, you know, we're trying to help it and get it back on its feet. And then on the other side, the other highlight was it was veteran owned. Those two stories really resonated. So we came in with, uh, we came in just almost running. From a, from a business perspective. We're averaging about 120 customers or so a day in the coffee shop. Our average ticket, people are buying more than they typically would at a coffee shop. A lot of it, you know, those upsells are because they're veterans that come in to support other veterans. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my mismanagement of this business early on has been yeah, buoyed a bit by by how great the the support is in the veteran community and the non-veteran community that want to support veterans, to be honest, which is massive. Well, Milo, that's interesting because uh, Sean and I, uh, we've done several podcasts together and uh, I've been part of the Veterans Breakfast Club for several years now. They've been around for 15 years and it's just an amazing organization. And our magazine reaches out to 15,000 
uh, readers uh, every quarter. So it's, it's a great opportunity. Amazing. But just for sometimes when you're, you're, you're at that obstacle right now, or if you're about to be there about marketing or inventory control, you know, there's a great resource at the University of Pittsburgh. It's called the Small Business Development Center. And at no cost to you, okay, they will counsel you. And these aren't just college students going for their papers or something like that. These are yep. professionals in small business. I could share the number with you if you like. Oh, um, I would love that. I would love it. I think I need it. I think that would be uh, it would be a, a great. Yeah, yeah. Their number is 412-648-1544. That is 412-648-1544. You could just Google the University of Pittsburgh Small Business Development Center. Their director, Ray Vardo, is excellent. He has a staff of people who are familiar with marketing. Uh, they will help set, they will do some research for you. They do a lot of the, we'll just say grunt work that perhaps you're overlooking because you're running a business. And yeah. given that, uh, it's a great opportunity for you, not only that, but to find out what other small businesses, that, trust me, they've done other coffee shops. And uh, they say, here's why this coffee shop didn't make it. They didn't know how to uh, order their supplies on a first in last out basis or whatever. And they can maybe help you get over a pitfall or two uh, in pit Karen, not to play on words, but oh, uh, a pitfall or two that, uh, that perhaps you weren't thinking of. So again, uh, the Small Business Development Center at the University of Pittsburgh, it's also called the Center for Entrepreneurial Excellence. And that Love just, it. that rings true, man, it really does. But when I was with the Small Business Administration, I retired in 2005. And afterwards I did some private consulting with the University of Pittsburgh because uh, Milo, they needed a veteran to do veteran related programs, okay? And there I was. So uh, it was enjoyable to me because number one, as you, veterans are my passion and uh, small businesses coincided with that because oftentimes uh, veterans would come back and say, you know, uh, they were working with the VA Center of, um, Occupational Therapy and the people at the VA were good at occupational therapy, but they weren't business people. So they would send them over to me, Milo, and say, Don, take a look at this guy's plan and see what you think. And I didn't want that business to come in and say, just because I'm getting money from the VA and I have other resources, I'm going to open up my pizza shop on the corner because my grandmother made the best pizza and I know I'm going to sell thousands of them. Well, that's not how it works. Right. And I probably dissuaded more veterans in a nice way than I did have veterans open their businesses because they just weren't ready or their yeah. plan was not in place. And I would try to steer them to the many resources, University of Pittsburgh, Small Business Development Center, Novova, Small Business Administration, any of those resources that are available to them basically at no cost or very minimal cost. And you've got the expertise of uh, consultants that uh, are experienced in small businesses and they were just a big help. And again, take my suggestion, if you will, give them a call sure. and uh, they'll arrange something with you. And uh, what do you got to lose? No, I absolutely, I, I, I love it. I mean, I think one, I need help with these, with the uh, blocking and tackling, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of that inventory management, things that I'm not aware of, but then, you know, there's some big rocks too, that I think they'll be able to help with. Uh, you know, when I certified my first business as a service disabled veteran owned small business, mm -hmm. it was essentially a self-certification. It was, yeah. it was an easy certification. Yeah. I have heard now that is not the case. There is a lengthy certification process. And I want to do that because as I scale, I would like to provide, you know, the vault roasted coffee, veteran owned coffee to, you know, maybe some of the governmental agencies or wholesale it or deliver it to, you know, the VAs, whatever that might, 
whatever that might entail, having that certification was a great thing for me in the past. I want to do that again. So that's where I, I do need that help. That's where Milo Novova can help you. Novova.org, N-A-V-O-B-A.org. Uh, follow their links. Uh, they'll put, put you in that right right area to help you with that certification. You are right about the uh, daunting task of getting it as a service-connected disabled veteran. You want to get into that arena because your NASIS code, okay, your business, it's like your MOS, your NASIS code uh, will drive different marketing uh, opportunities for you through the government agency. They will literally uh, send to you any food service contracts that are out there, right? I don't even know if they nail it down specifically to coffee, but the, any food service or procurement. Yeah. And uh, those are, that's just the, that saves you all the time. First thing in the morning, Amazing. you open up your laptop and here's three opportunities for you. Yep. Yeah. And it, so it's worth the time and the effort. And there is help for you to do that through Novova and of course, the Small Business Development Center at the University of Pittsburgh. They're excellent. That's great. Can't wait to talk to them. Thank you. You know, what's interesting is I really thought this would just be a conversation about coffee, but I think our listeners are getting a <laughs> masterclass on becoming a entrepreneur, which is is pretty awesome here. Um, I, I, I want to loop back, Milo, here to the idea of what do you think, what skills did you develop while in the military that are helping you now as a business owner? Because I feel like veterans are, are uniquely positioned to be very successful business owners. Uh, yeah, I, I, I cannot agree more. I mean, I think the two that have stood out, not just in my time as a, as an entrepreneur, in, but also in working in the private sector, the two that I've seen that, this is going to sound like I have a bit of an ego here. I, I don't. This is what I see in all veterans. And there's a lot of veterans on my team currently at Dell. Uh, we're in the marketing organization and we focus on marketing in the public sector. So we, we have vets on the team. Uh, but I think what's really carried through and what you can see is one, attention to detail. There is an inherent attention to detail that all veterans have through their, you know, training and get just there, you know, through osmosis of being in the military that you can't teach in a college that you really just don't see out there in the workforce. Now that lends itself to entrepreneurship and, you know, making sure you're dotting your I's, crossing your T's from a business perspective, perspective, but it also in the private sector, just, you know, just working for any of these big, you know, Dells of the world or big IT companies, any company, that attention to detail that a vet brings is something that is a is a differentiator. Um, on the second, I know, you know, if I interrupt, yeah. isn't that yeah, the worst. isn't that the worst part of basic training? The worst. That's the worst part. I say, why does he make me tie my shoes right over left like that every yeah. flip in time? Or the why worst. And the dust out of that corner. Well, let me tell you, on a ship, that dust is tinder, and what's the worst thing that you see on a ship is fire. So, sailor, if you're not cleaning that corner and getting that dust out of that corner, that's tinder. And if there's a fire, it can start right there. Yeah. And that's in basic training, when they 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 just put that hospital fold on the sheets and those things, it sounds like it's harassment or it's uh, uh, being uh, uh, <laughs> the top. There's a reason for that, and you're absolutely right. It's the attention to detail. It's the timing of things. If you're on, if your meeting was uh, 0800 and you were there at uh, 0815, you're late, buddy. Okay, why were you late? Okay, you you held held us back for 15 more minutes, and so you start to determine in, within your mindset. You know, I have to be on time for things. I have to do things the right way, because there's a reason for everything. 
and especially well, yeah. business. I mean, and it totally translates right into coffee. Not to drag us back into the wonderful world of coffee, but but there are a lot of intricacies that really set the different brands, the different roasters apart. And you know, there's a there's a, a well, there's the flavor palette, of course, and everybody's familiar with like light roast and medium roast and dark roast. But there's there are a lot of if you want to source your own green coffee, there's a lot of detail you got to look at. If you're picking mm. a roaster, which there's you know multiple out there, the how they do it, their processes, there it's that is uh, it, everywhere that I have or everywhere that I've engaged outside of the military, that attention to detail seems to be one of my one of my and one of all the veterans that I work with. You know, they're they're really very marketable traits is the attention to detail. The other one I think is, is leadership. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. you know, early on in, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't even guess. I'm guessing the years. So, you know, late nineties or so you're um, early twenties and in charge of something at a very young age that, uh, that, that was, and, and this is not me talking down to the corporate world, but in charge of something that, you know, that had a human life in its, you know, in its grasp or, or something extremely important to not just myself and the company, but maybe a country, i.e. like Colombia, when we're in Colombia and we're helping them identify whatever it is, uh, drug trafficking or the FARC at the time and that, you know, government infiltration, it, it is, you, you get into entrepreneurship and, or just working with you know a company in the private sector, you you really very quickly are seen as the calm in the storm, and it's very natural. I've been in tens and tens of meetings, you know, over a hundred meetings, where we were being grilled by a potential customer that was a six-figure customer, and you know, I'm in, I got me and two colleagues with me, and it just. You, you just naturally remain calm. You compartmentalize, you prioritize talking points. You, and in leaving those meetings or engagements, it's wow, how did you, how do you stay so calm through this? How do you, you know, how do you, how did you remember to bring that up? And it's like, well, I did this before in the military and I did it on the backs of maybe somebody being killed. This, you know, it's a million dollar deal to sell this server hardware or storage hardware. It doesn't resonate. You know, it's, it's, I don't have that. I don't feel that urgency and that, uh, that panic that you might feel because we've already done it in yeah. other ways that had, you know, I don't want to say more meaningful consequences, but in real Certainly life, higher more stakes. Meaningful. Yes. If, higher stakes. If lives higher are on the line. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's different. And yet, yeah. and, and you know, I, I can hear your point of just like, yeah, this doesn't belittle the the stakes that they're dealing with, sure. but at a young age, like you said, working with the stakes of potentially lives on the line, you learn calm in those moments. You uh, do. You yeah. do. If, I can, if I can interject, Sean, I was watching an interview um, called Veterans Voices on uh, Pennsylvania Cable Network, and they had a, uh, a Vietnam veteran who, once he left the service, he became a very high official in tennis. He was the work like he did went to Wimbledon and he went to all these major events, major uh, uh, things with tennis. Okay, and he became like the top of the line uh, official. So one time he was asked, 
uh, I guess the guy McEnroe had a tendency to be disruptive and argumentative with the officials and things like that. He said, how did you put up with McEnroe? How, you know, what? He was so argumentative. As an official, how did you put up with it? He says, look, he was in Vietnam for a year, his infantry. He says, I was being shot at for a year. Whatever this guy says means nothing to me. That's, that was, <laughs> that's, you know, that's absolutely punctuates your calm. Uh, the, the fact that, look, I've been through worse than this, okay? I can compartmentalize, I can uh, adapt to this, I can accept this because I, technically I've been through worse. My experience yeah. has seasoned me. As a business owner, uh, you know, coming into it, uh, you've been seasoned already, number one, through the military, and number two, through private sector. So that's why I think this session today, even though we're off subject a little bit about veteran stories, but this veteran has a story as well. And this story tells how uh, veterans have that training that comes with being in the military at whatever level. At some point in time, you're going to be in charge of something, okay? And you're going to learn to uh, take command of it, take charge of it, and uh, hopefully do a good job. Because again, uh, there's probably that guy to the left of you and to the right of you. His uh, well-being is depending upon your competence. Yeah, and it's always well, it's always, it, it's very much, you know, you, you may feel like it's almost second nature as a veteran when you come out that you do these things. It, it, it really isn't, you know, it's a, it is something that inherently is different than a lot of the workforce that's out there. And when they see that it lends itself to leadership too. So you have mm -hmm. that attention to detail, you have that, you know, that calm demeanor. What that does is, is people notice, people notice other business owner, you know, if it's entrepreneurial or if it's in the work environment, they notice and, and they brand you through that as a leader and they will elevate you based off of these you know the, the, this ability to do these specific things that you learned as a veteran and it really lends itself to making veterans very very not just because we've led people maybe in battle or to you know through different military tasks but just in general the traits the personality traits that you have make you a very very natural leader whether you're starting a, a coffee shop or uh or you know or you're working in a specialty field inside of technology it's it is it definitely pays dividends for sure so i want to loop back with our, our couple minutes left here back yeah. to coffee and milo um i i was saying before is that you know I, I, my wife kind of likes the whole foods like brand we just bring that in we have a percolator you know we like a good cup of coffee um Don to each his own. He just says Maxwell or Folgers. Give me that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Understood. I, I can't do like black coffee. I like having some creamer in it. But, you know, as, as an owner of a coffee house, I assume that you have tried many different kinds of coffee. And I'm interested in sort of like your taste buds. <laughs> yeah. I've never said that to anybody before. No. I'm interested in, in sort of like, what do you look for? You, you go to a coffee shop, you take a sip. You know, what is it about you that you're like, hey, that's yeah. a good cup of coffee. Yeah, no, I, you know, and I think there's, I, I, I think so there's no wrong answer to this one. There are things that you can do wrong to coffee where it's going to taste bad to everybody. If you, you know, uh, burn a pot of Maxwell House, you're going to taste that it's burnt and very tannic. If you burn specialty coffee that costs 10 times the amount of a Maxwell House, it's going to taste burnt. So that preparation is, is really key. The preparation of the actual bean, the the uh, the machine you use. So if you got Maxwell House and a really good machine, you got it. You got it dialed in. You'll have acceptable coffee. Absolutely acceptable, uh, at least acceptable. <laughs> yes. You no, know, one of the but, things that I would look for in that first cup of coffee, it has to be hot. 
How yes. Long, if it's sitting out for a long period, it starts to become tepid, then it loses a lot, Milo. I think you'll know more about that than it, I. So I can uh, right away. Hot, yeah, no, you're right. Temp, tempest, temperature is key. So I look for, even at the specialty coffee shops, the heat, and it's for two different reasons. One, it's how long it's sat, but two, the brew temp for a really good specialty coffee is really high. You shouldn't be able to, you know, if they're brewing a, a uh, you know, a Colombian blend in a specialty shop, you should not be able to just chug it. You, it mm -hmm. should be extremely hot because you got to brew them to pull out all the flavor notes. If you really, you know, you see on the packages, raspberry, chocolate, all these flavor notes. If it's not brewed at 185, 190 degrees, you're not going to get those flavor notes. And it's just going to be, you know, you'll get the caffeine and you'll get the coffee, but so I do look for temp in a couple, for two different reasons. I look for it based off of, did they actually pull what this bean has to offer into mm -hmm. the cup? And uh, and has it been sitting is the other well, side. That begs the question, what about the popularity now of iced coffee? I've never well, I, had iced coffee. Yeah, well, so there's, there's some, there's some uh, you got two different types of iced coffee. So you got iced coffee and that's just your brew. You brew that sucker real hot. You put it in the fridge, you save the pot, you pour it over ice later. It should maintain most of the flavor notes and most of the goodness of that bean. But now you have cold brew. Cold brew is a different beast. You want to select the right blend for a cold brew, typically a darker blend, and you want to you want to pull the, the right flavor notes that can be pulled out of a bean during a cold brew process. Cold brew process is, you know, you take a lot of beans, grind them, put them in a very special container for cold brew, get some purified cold water, and you let it sit for 24, 36 hours until it brews. And it will pull, it'll pull nuance from that dark bean that you can't get in iced coffee. You know, so it's mm -hmm. that, it's that next tier of, a, of an iced coffee. If you really want to taste the coffee and the, you know, the flavor notes, the cold brew, it's going to be a little stronger. It's going to be excellent. That's like your high test. So that you're right. That has been, uh, that has been hot, especially as the weather gets warmer. That's what everybody's asked us. What flavor, what cold brew do you got today? What do you got brewed up? Is it, you know, is it a Colombian? Is it an Ethiopian? Is it a Honduran? You know, whatever it is, but, uh, but you're right. It is popular for sure. What do you say that Vault Coffee House hangs its hat on? I, obviously, I'm, I'm sure you go in there, you get a, a really delicious cup of coffee. But what do you, uh, what do you want someone, your first customer, to come in and really experience with that first cup of coffee? Yeah, I mean, I, a, a couple things. So one, it's back to my kind of weird coffee story from the military, where I hated coffee until I tried this, you know, this what I thought was the greatest coffee that's ever existed. So when before the well before the doors out, well before construction began on the space, um, I went to a, a great friend in town, uh, TJ, who owns TJ Fairchild, who owns all of the commonplace coffees. And I tried to I asked him, I said, I want to replicate that taste. I've never been able to. So we sat there and he put I mean, one, I'm a I'm somebody that has given him zero dollars. He's doing this for me because I'm a veteran. He's an amazing guy. He wants to help me build a business. You know, this is not, this wasn't, you know, I'm going to guarantee I buy X amount of coffee from you or I'm this big vendor. He rolled out the red carpet. We pulled in beans from everywhere in the world. We honed it into, you know, Latin America for the, for the flavor notes. And then we did blends after blends, maybe 20 or 30 different blends. And we finally got to where 
this coffee literally tastes just like the coffee we've recreated it like it did in Colombia at that little house in the middle of you know in the middle of the forest so when you come in our house roast is that roast commonplace makes it for us they roast it for us specialty we got there you know we got you'll see the name the vault blend on the on the logo and uh and that's something i'm really really proud of we also took that same level of you know that same attention to detail with the rest of our beans our espresso blends and everything else so you're going to get one an amazing whatever you want if it's a latte a cappuccino a cortado americano whatever it is you're going to get you're going to get a perfectly brewed attention the veteran attention to detail in the in the brew process along with some very very maniacally sourced beans you'll get that and then the second thing that i really want everybody to know from a coffee perspective is you know coffee and community have always went hand in hand it is rare these days that you see a starbucks where you could fit more than six people you know i mean they're tiny the, the, it's a business and mm -hmm. it's and i love what they do too i mean you know there's a lot that you can learn from these big companies and it, you know they, they have a drive-through they want a customer every 30 seconds that's the goal there that's not the goal of of the vault it's not the goal of a lot of the specialty shops around the world and you know certainly in pittsburgh it's to create an atmosphere of community to have a a local jazz artist to have people come in and be able to interact and and we've seen that already we've seen people that have lived two streets apart in pitcairn that have never had the chance to meet that within the first week of the coffee shop you live on third street i'm on i'm literally one block up what do you mean your kid plays the saxophone mine does you know it's so in seeing that and fostering that more than you would ever see it you know a Dunkin' Donuts where the booths are just, you know, two booths facing each other. That's for four vets to come in, get some Dunkin' coffee and BS about whatever is going on in the day. That's not how we're set up. We're set up as an, in an open space. Everybody can see and talk to each other and engage. So great coffee, community on the back half are the two, the two focal points for sure. Milo, what's your address of your coffee shop? 550 Broadway Boulevard. Pick Karen PA 15140. Right on the main drag uh, as you come through Pick Karen. It's in the old, it doesn't look like a melon bank anymore because uh, we've made it very modern and, and cool. But uh, but you you can't miss it. We got a giant vault coffee house circle in the front. And we have a veteran wall as you come in too to, to take a look at where the, the township has done a great job of highlighting World War One, Korean, World War II, Korean conflict, Vietnam. But the tablets in the town, the big memorial stopped at uh, Desert Storm. So we're, we're taking it upon ourselves to, to do a bit of a tablet on the inside. So take a look at our, our local vets too when you come in. They're on the wall as soon as you walk in. All five branches are, are, uh, are represented. But 550 Broadway, Pitcairn, PA. So Pitcairn was your hometown? It was. I grew up on I grew up one street back. Um, the I, I lived there until I went to the military. So at, at 17, when I graduated high school, I signed up and uh, and left. And then through military travels, I didn't get really a chance to to be home for a good for a good bit. But I maintained. I, I mean, my friends from Pitcairn remain my friends all the way through my military time. Now they're all it's the it's a group, and and we all grew up 
in an abnormal way that we might have thought was normal. Of the six or seven core, eight core friends that I had, only one actually had two parents. The other ones we were like raised by our grandparents. Right? The community pitched in in the 80s and, and the early 90s and, and raised a lot of us. And we're, we're all, you know, in our own way, school teachers, police officers, community. We, we've all served the community in our lives. You know, councilmen, there's, we have one who's, you know, Wounded Warrior Project he works for. He loves it. His brother's a vet and uh, he's an amazing guy. But in that, you know, this is just another way. The coffee shop's just another way to help the community, help bring more businesses in. And that's what we're seeing now. So it's uh, it's been an amazing experiment, but also, you know, selfishly, it's been uh, very rewarding to to continue that kind of philosophy and give back to the town a little bit. Milo, you may have thought of this, but uh, Flag Day is coming upon us next week. I did. 14th. Wouldn't it be a good idea when a veteran comes in to hand him one of them little flags along with his cup of coffee and say, thank you for your service and God bless America? Well, I didn't think of the little flag thing, but I was talking to the manager this morning and I said, Ivy, Flag Day is coming up. So far, it's been easy. Veterans Day, Memorial Day. We got the apple pie latte for Memorial you know. We have like, what do we do for flag day? Like what's a, so we bought some uh, red, white, and blue sprinkles and we were thinking about what to do next, but that's a great idea on all of the veterans always get a discount no matter what. So at the coffee shop, vets always get 10% off everything when they come in, but then we always try to do something extra for those days. So I think you're, I think that's a great idea. The little, yeah, those little, little flags. Those little lapel pins that we all wear. Uh, the yes. So you can never have enough of them. Agreed. Agreed. So we will, I will incorporate one of those into the red, white, and blue sprinkles for Flag Day, I promise. So before we uh, kick off here, uh, Milo, uh, how can people support you other than coming into the coffee shop? Is there a website? Can I order a, a, a bag to be sent to me? How, you know, how does it work? Yeah, yeah. So, so one, yes, there is a website, www.coffeeinthevault.com. And uh, we are standing up. We've been open now. This is our 10th week in operation. So we had uh, we were kind of overwhelmed, to be honest, at the beginning. We had some online orders coming in, and we had to shut it off just so we could focus on <laughs> focus on our customers at hand. So we're going to be turning that back on the first week of July, and you will be able to order the Vault uh, blend, all the blends that we have specifically for the Vault online, and we'll ship those out to you free, of course. And uh, and we'll have a, a wider selection of like uh, merch and and that starting in July. So right now, please go to the website, check out the menu. If you're in the area, please stop in. Um, I'm there as much as I can be. So I, I love meeting everybody that comes in. And then in July, it's uh, we're back to business as usual. We're going to have the vault blend and, and uh, mugs and shirts and everything else available via the website. That's exciting. Uh, Don, Milo, I, I want to thank you guys both for this conversation. Again, I thought it was going to be like, oh, let's just chat about coffee in the military. But we got into so much more, which was so exciting. And I, I'm sure that our audience will appreciate this. Um, I, and to our audience, like, share, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. You can always reach out to me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at veteransbreakfastclub.org with ideas for future episodes, just like Don did. He said, hey, found out about this guy Milo and Vault Coffee House. Reach out, see if they want to do a podcast. Here we are. Um, so I'd love to hear from our audience about future ideas or future scuttlebots or opinions or thoughts on the current episode. Always a pleasure uh, here with you, Don. Thank you for joining me again. Milo, such a pleasure and an honor to have you a part of the podcast. I can't wait to stop into Vault Coffee House and, and have a cup of joe.
Love it. My pleasure as well. And thank you for everything you're doing. And thank you, Don, as well. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. Thank you for watching this episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Tobacco Free Adagio Health. Uh, Tobacco Free Adagio Health has been supporting the podcast for quite some time now. We've been so pleased to be uh, supported by them. They are dedicated to reducing and preventing tobacco use and getting the word out about the hazards of smoking and secondhand smoke. They're all about health, so they want people to quit. Uh, they have classes, nicotine replacement therapy, and a popular quit line, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. They also educate people, children especially, about tobacco use from cigarettes, cigars, pipes, chew, snuff, and other nicotine products like vaping. And finally, Tobacco Free Adagio Health advocates for public and private policies that ensure healthy places to live, work, and play. You can learn all about what Tobacco Free Adagio Health offers at tobaccofree.adagiohealth.org. Or you can check out the two Scuttlebutt episodes that featured Tobacco Free Adagio Health. We had a wonderful representative come on to the podcast, talk to us about all the classes and therapies that they offer. Uh, it was one, two wonderful conversations. So I definitely direct you to both of those if you want more information or just call their free quit line 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Thank you again, Tobacco Free Adagio Health for your support.